Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise God. So I think you realize God's doing something. Amen. Amen. Keep pressing in, keep doing. Come, come to the, the, the other part of what, Jennifer's a relatively new believer, just went to prayer ministry this past week, and, and uh, that word of knowledge that she got, see what happened? We're going to d- dive into this in detail Wednesday night, but that word of knowledge unlocked for a person who was a skeptic, because God knows everything, and you just position and then you operate in it, so that's part of the power of evangelism that God wants to do in the midst of all the revivals, so... Praise God. Well, we've, I feel like we've had church already. Praise the Lord. Well, this, uh, this message this morning actually got confirmed. Uh, Ron Burcham, one of our elders, um, sends out every morning at 7 o'clock. If you're part of the kingdom, man, and you can get on the list if you like it. But, and so Ron sent this, I think it was Monday morning, and it was like the, almost the title of my sermon. I was like, I, I, had, I had one title. It said, Lord, what do you want to do for Sunday? He says, the church is being made ready. I said, what? He said, the church is being made ready. I said, oh, okay. So I wrote the title down. I didn't have time that morning to unpack more of it. Then I get, bing, and there's Ron. And here's what he put out. Your bridegroom is coming. He is in the land, ready to lift you up and lead you out. Trim your lamps. Buy oil of my spirit. Fill your heart with expectancy and go out. Hello, we just heard that. Meet him. The day of his wedding is near. Arise and leave what is familiar to meet him in his glory. Just as he walks in mighty power over all his foes, so will his bride walk in ways of the glorious power. Nothing will hinder him as he appears to his bride. I will speak my words and release my power through you. For the lamb's wife is making herself ready. Her garments of splendor are becoming clean and spotless. I will draw untold millions to myself in these days of power. So come. Be clothed with faith and confidence in me. Leave all that hinders. Do not look back or try to take on the old into the new. The way is straight. The door is narrow. Come with me in faith alone. You will see the unveiling of my power. There is no limit to what I will do through you as you come to me. Rise up, Zion's maidens, brides-to-be. Come and feast your eyes on the king as he passes in procession on his way to his wedding. This is the day filled with overwhelming joy, the day of great gladness. Song of Songs 311. Amen. Praise God. The Lord just triggered when I said, when I read that thing about let go of all the weights. Megan, when I saw you this morning, I have just a prophetic encouragement. When I saw you this morning, I, remember, I had a picture. I remembered when I used to scuba dive. And when you scuba dive, they give you a weight belt. It's actually a lead belt, right? I mean, it, and it weighs you down so you can go to the depths. I just felt like the Lord was saying, I'm taking off the weight belt. 
Whatever's been hindering, whatever's been holding back, it's got, it's got to go. And you're walking in that place. You've been allowing your daughter. It's amazing. Yeah. Hannah was going to go on a uh, camping trip this weekend. And when Jesse invited her, she said, I'd rather be doing this. And mom and them are stepping in. So the wait's going. In Jesus' name, amen? Yeah. I love what God's doing in this generation. It's exciting. So the title of the message, if you look at the handout, the church being made ready. And I was meditating on the wedding feast, and probably everybody here has been in a wedding, invited to a wedding, or been in a wedding, had your own wedding. So as I was meditating on that, I said, let's think about that for a minute. There's this preparation. When you think about the one that is being prepared right now, if the bride is being made ready and the bride is preparing herself, let's go back to the beginning. Think about when, I just think about this, I was thinking about when I first met my wife. She was 16, cheerleader, um, Miss Ginny Haug, and I moved in the middle of my junior year of high school. It was, it was a very traumatic time for me. We had a whole change of events I won't get into. Um, but at that moment, I went over Christmas break, and there, there was, they were having these uh, pep rally. You know, they used to burn those big, you know, they'd have all these big barn rallies and everything, right? And there was the cheerleader, Miss Ginny Howe. I said, man, that's a pretty fine-looking young lady, though. <laughs> so first there was the notice, right? There's this draw, right? There's a notice, like, now, she wasn't drawn. She didn't know what God knew already. Um, and so I noticed, right? I said, so... I got close to one of her friends, Carla, so that I could make opportunity to get to know her better, right? It was a setup. But what's, so there's the draw, there's the notice, there's the awareness, and then there's the opportunities. This is what God does. He draws you first. He says, I really, he knows before you know, you're going to be his bride. He already knew that from the foundation of the earth, right? He says in Ephesians, I have plans for you before the foundation of the earth for the good works that you're going to do. So he planned that before there ever was a creation. Think about that. And so there's this place of the drawing, there's the awareness. But then what's, what's the other additional preparation that goes into that? There is that getting to know each other, relationally hanging out with God, hanging out with each other. And then God says, that's the person I think I would like to spend all of my life with. Right? And so there's this awareness, and then there's that Desire that Lord, and we kind of talk. Now, she didn't know that at first, right? In fact, she broke up with me when I was in boot camp. And uh, I got a Dear John letter in boot camp. And I, and I couldn't leave boot camp, right? But then she saw the light. And uh, later, you know, <laughs> she, she saw that was not a bad fish in the sea, right? Right, Jenny? Huh? Come on, t- tell it. Come on, tell it. Yeah. Anyway. So there's this, there's, and then there's the engagement process. In the military school I was in, you couldn't be married. So we had to like, she had to graduate from high school, and then we had to wait. I had to go to four years of college. So we got to know each other really well, and, and that was a blessed time. But there is that journey of getting to know the groom and the bride, getting to know, he already knows everything. But the bride's got to know who he is. Can he be trusted? Can he be safe? Is this the one that I'm willing to surrender to? Can we become one? There's all those 
challenges. Then there's the, once you decide, okay, we're gonna do this thing, we're gonna get married. I remember proposing to her and it was amazing and then she said yes and then we told the family. It was a good thing her family was for me. Um, in fact, all the other boys who used to call her when she broke up with me, they would, uh, her father would say, oh, he's probably out with that boy Tommy. And uh, yeah, it was, and her grandparents too. They, they were in my camp, it was great, it was awesome. But then there's the planning of the wedding, the, the who, what, when, where. Remember this? And this can become a stress point. <laughs> and sometimes when the world is cratering towards the end point of what's happening, it's going to get messy. So then you got to decide, well, who's going to come to the wedding? And then all the details of that, right? You got to put the invitation together. You got to decide what the tables are, the food, the decoration. We bought flowers for one of my daughter's weddings. I'm convinced they grew up, they had to be growing on Mount Everest for the cost of those flowers because there's just no way. And so it was like all the preparation of all that that takes place in the prep. And then who's going to sit at what table? Is this the reserve table? You're going to put Aunt Bessie next to Uncle Harry? Oh, no, no. You want to have, we don't want drama in the middle, right? Come on, you, am I talking to myself? You guys know what I'm talking about. And then there's those that, they're distant relatives, but somebody in the family says, well, I'd like them to come. I don't know them, and I don't even know who they, well, you, it's your second, third cousin. It's like, all right, Mom, we'll have them come. So you remember, the family is in that place of the calling that comes together in the preparation, and then there's the day. And how do you dress? The bride's not supposed to be seen in most, in our culture, on wedding day, right? It's kind of obscene for the groom to dress the bride for that wedding day, right? Don't look at me, I don't wanna, and you, when she comes down the altar being led by father, and she's presented to the groom, it's like, <gasps> I remember that, it's like, whoa, mighty fine, right? <laughs> and so it was like, yay, God, this is, and then dad kind of reluctantly says, you better take care of her, <laughs> right? And so, so this is the picture I want us to see in this wedding feast, because this is what's actually taking place right now as the bride is making herself ready. So let's look at some of the scriptures associated with this. Why don't we open, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 22. I love the parables around this. Jesus used so many of these kinds of examples to really lead us to a revelation of what are you, what are you trying to communicate to us? So Matthew 22, let's begin in verse 1. I'm going to read out a New Living Translation, but I may pop into the King James as well. It's uh, titled in the New Living Translation, The Parable of the Great Feast. Verse 1, Jesus told them other parables, and he said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants out to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent out other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fatted cattle have been killed. Everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he invited ignored them 
and they went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business, others seized the messengers and insulted them and killed them. So he's telling a prophetic picture of all the prophets that had come before to talk about what's coming. You've been invited, and they ignored, came up with their excuses. I'm too busy on Friday night. I got things to do. Hmm. The king was furious, verse 7. He sent out his army to destroy the murderers and to burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests that I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Worthy of the honor. Could meditate on that for a moment. So he said, go out to the street corners and invite everyone that you see. So the servants were brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with all the guests. When the king came to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothing for the wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? The man replied, he had no reply. He had no excuse. Verse 13, then the king said to the aides, bind his hands and his feet and throw him into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen. There's a lot to unpack here. There's an invitation. He's certainly speaking to the Jewish people at that time and he, they were invited. They killed the prophets. They wouldn't listen. They were invited to the wedding feast but they ignored that process. Then he says, all right, go find the bad and the the good alike and bring them. So there's a, picture this hall of all the street people that are broken, the good, there's this mixture, right? And he highlights one guest who isn't properly dressed. So what we get in an implication there is there were bad folks in the midst, but something happened in the invitation process, and they prepared themselves, and they're now dressed accordingly. But there was one that was not dressed accordingly, did not do any of the stuff that was required in the preparation. When you come to a wedding, a funeral, a graduation, do you dress up for that? Because it's not about you. You're really bringing honor to the one that you're coming, right? You don't wear cut-off jeans and dirty clothes and work clothes and your old hat. You know, you dress up in honor because you're worthy of honoring the one that you've been invited to honor. And so there's this place, and the scriptures clearly talk about the preparation by the bride. So now let's turn to Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation 19, and we'll look at Verse 6, Revelation 19, beginning in verse 6. I love the sound of turning pages. Hallelujah. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. It sounded, King, King James says, this voice of a great multitude. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, New Living says or the roar of a mighty ocean wave or the crash of thunder. Think about that for a moment. The sound effects of that. Get a hold of it. It's like, whoa. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the mighty one, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. 
And the bride has prepared herself. King James says, made herself ready. Made herself ready. She has made herself ready. How ready are you? How ready am I? What are you doing in the making of the readiness right now? That's the question. There is a preparation of the readiness. Behold, the marriage feast of the Lamb is about to unfold. There is a calling right now in the earth, and we're hearing it from our missionaries overseas. It's coming. The bride has made herself ready. The wedding feast of the Lamb. She has been given the finest. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. It's been provided. But how is it? What is it? He answers this. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. You want to have a garment ready? What are your deeds? Now, I get it. We're a grace community. But there's something about what are you doing for Jesus? Well, Jesus knows where I am. If he wants me to do something, he can find me. Oh, he said, go, get up and go, right? So, we're, I'm, hey, we're good on grace, I get it. And it's not about works righteousness, right? We know Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and yet not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not of your works, lest you want to boast about it, no. But there's something about when you're in, show me. James says, show me. Show me your stuff. You talk about your faith, why don't you show me your faith? by the good deeds you do. So we balance this between works and grace, and, but there's something about, you just saw the excitement, right? What did Becky say? I had the most fun at the beach. Like, but it's a little risky. It's like, get in a van with Andrew. That guy, come, you know, he doesn't drive safe when he's under the influence. Go there and, and uh, meet this lady who's skeptical and like, and in, got to do all this stuff. What if they reject me? Oh, well, Jesus said they rejected him, so, you know, join up. So there's something about this inviting to the wedding feast that is clearly there. Let's, let's look at another scripture. If you look at your outline, I want to read the top of these two declarations, one from the Apostle Paul and one from Jesus. Are you there? Church being made ready. Here's the Apostle Paul's instructions. Now, this is out of Philippians 2, and it's, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. I, um, I just liked how it, it pursued this. Paul says this, continue to work out your salvation. Hold on, Pastor. Work out my salvation? I thought I was saved. You are. <laughs> but there's something about the works of the salvation. It's the, the process, right? Philippians 1, 6 goes on. He says, he who began the work in you will perform it to the day he comes. So he's working. Even when we don't see him working, he's working, right? And so, but we got to work with him. And so the apostle says, work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it into full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe and inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution, critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. So Paul's saying, gotta work it, work it out. Jesus writes this in Luke 12. 
Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Be dressed for service. Dressed for service. And keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in in that moment. He arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready, waiting for him and return will be rewarded. So now we get the example of the readiness of those that are coming to be prepared. So let's look now at, turn with me to Colossians chapter three. In fact, when Brenton opened the service, he referenced this, and I said, that's really interesting. So in Colossians chapter three, he referenced, be careful of the things that are lurking. Colossians chapter three, let's, um, Let's begin in verse one. My Bible, New Living Translate, is, uh, titles this, Living the New Life. Living a New Life. Verse one, Colossians 3.1. Since you, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Boy, we could say law there for a minute. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ, in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share all of his glory. Wow, that's wonderful. Now here it is, verse five. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with, and he starts to list them, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. A greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, Malicious behavior, behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have been stripped off of your old sinful nature and all the wicked deeds. Put on a new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or Gentile, whether you were circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So, verse 12, since God chose you, he chose you to be a holy people, the holy people that he loves, you must, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, Patience, ay, ay, ay. Anybody getting convicted? Verse 13, make allowances for each other's faults. Oh, come on. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you? Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. But above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in a perfect harmony. And the peace that comes from Christ will rule in your hearts 
as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Man, Paul knew something there. He, he went through it. Remember, he was the guy who killed Stephen and tried to get the church, and now he meets Jesus, and now he's like preaching to himself. Let's look at one, a couple others. Turn with me to Ephesians. Turn a little bit to the left here. In Ephesians chapter 4, living as children of the light, recognize Paul is now describing what is it like to be a bride who's making herself ready. Slander, gossip, immorality, unforgiveness, bitterness, rage, those are not things the bride uses to prepare herself at all. The garments are the good deeds. So every time there's something good in Christ that's being done, it's like the wedding dress gets another part of the apparel. Think about that. You want the shoes? Want the, you want the, come on now. You gotta get all that beautiful stuff. Some of those wedding dresses are out of this world. I know. Living as children of the light, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Ephesians 4, 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, Paul says. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God has gives them, and they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly participate in every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off the old sinful nature and the former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. We're all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let it. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. And don't let, any, everything, that you, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And please, don't, it says in verse 30, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you will be saved on the day of redemption. If you continue on, chapter five goes on and says, imitate God, verse one, in everything that you do, filled with love, following the example be careful, verse 10 of that chapter says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord and take no part in worthless deeds of darkness. Expose the darkness. Verse 15, be careful how you live. Don't act thoughtlessly. So you see how the criteria for the wedding feast, first, you've gotta be engaged to him. You gotta be saved. 
You got to be connected with him. You got to be in relationship with him. What groom first engages and then has no contact with the bride? This is not an arranged wedding, right? This is not some culture that arranges weddings. I've been in overseas and I've seen those and been part, but this is one where you're invited in the betrothal process. The bride's got to say yes. He's already wooing the bride. You've got to say yes. Once you say yes, woohoo, praise God. Then he goes and helps you in the preparation. Well, number six on your handout there is see the spiritual condition of the church in Revelation. If you'll turn your, I think it's either attached or it's on the back. I took the seven churches of, of the Revelation in chapter two and three, and you can see that this, um, actually Jody drew, painted all these. She's got quite a gallery of all the Revelation stories, really good. The one that I was really enticed was the, I really liked the one out of Revelation 19, the white horse, and how God lit this up, and even after she painted it, um, the Lord highlighted through, was it a, um, a glass in your house and highlighted that. And so God has a way of reaching us in ways that like we start the creative process and he adds to the creative process. <laughs> Highlights it and puts the, rain, you know, the, the rainbow of colors on it and oh my goodness, the sword at the bottom of it is like, woohoo, wow. So I want us to see in the, in the churches, the seven churches in the book of Revelations, they are actual churches that were in Turkey at the time, but they also represent the spiritual churches that are currently operating. And they also represent the spiritual condition of the church. You, you are the temple of the church. You are the living stones, right? So when we look at this, let's, um, let's first look at the far left column and look at how the church at Ephesus was loveless. It was the loveless church. Look at Smyrna, the suffering church. And notice there's no negative faults to the suffering church. Then there's the worldly church of Pergamum. Totally worldly. Then there's the wrong doctrine church, Thyatira. They got their, they got their message all messed up. Boy, there is a bunch of churches today that are totally messed up, not embracing this, saying that this is not the true word of God, that you don't have to follow this bunch of stories. Lies. Then there's the spiritually dead church. They are totally dead. Let me park there for a minute. Um, There are those that think, well, you know what? Revival looks kind of hyped up. Isn't there a lot of hype in revival? Well, let me ask you this. What do you get hyped up about? Exactly. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. What, what floats your boat? What do you get excited about? I think, you know what? It may be a little exciting and maybe a little exuberant and sometimes like the, you know this, it's Super Bowls or soccer. When they win the World Cup, you know what? The whole cities go into riots. Right. They burn the place down and, oh my, it's crazy. They get hyped up, Right? I think we ought to get hyped up about the one who died for you. That's right. Right? Now, well, Pastor, we don't want to be too emotional. Why not? Okay, not all emotion, but it's kind of hard to separate when, like, oh, 
my gosh, a 13-year-old just got baptized in the Holy Ghost, is going to be a missionary, not afraid anymore. Amen. That's exciting. Amen. The, the people I prayed for that are demonized that come up and say, when I went in the water, I wanted to get set free, and I'm no longer tormented. I ought to get hyped up about that. Yeah. The demon just obeyed Jesus and left. Amen. So there's something, well, pastor, you ought to calm down. I won't. I won't. Now, I get it. I, I balance it. Yeah. And it, not everybody's the same. I, I get it. You know, there, there are those that we, we make fun of Nilsa. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Nilsa, are you praising? I am. <laughs> and then there's Pastor Willie. Ah! Praise God. Like, hey, okay, I get it. They're different. And I'm not trying to measure one to the other. But at the same time, we might want to challenge the dead church of Sardis. You're dead. Is there any joy in there? How about the spiritually alive church of Philadelphia? We ought to study that one. They've kept the word. You have not denied my name. And then this one. This is the scariest church, the complacent church of Laodicea. They didn't even know how bad off they were. They thought, man, I got God. I got everything I need. I'm good. I'm I'm totally satisfied, and we're going to heaven. And he goes, no, you're not. You are wretched, wretched. Talk about a, how would you like the groom to say, you're wretched as a bride? Golly. Not good. You think you're all this in a bag of chips. You're not. In fact, you're blind. You're naked. You may have all your fine clothing and your wealth, America. But if you're a wretched bride that thinks you're all this and you, you've done and you sat in church for 40 years but you don't really love me and it's all about your greed and your focus and your comforts, you're wretched. Now, he's not opposed to the blessings. He, he gives his bride rings and clothes. He, he, he's all that. But there's something about the relationship. That's the one that's really scary. They think they're fine. So what does he what does he say in their faults? Let's look at their faults and then we'll go to their strengths. Ephesus is, you have forsaken your first love. It was years, this is probably 30 some odd years later and the church at Ephesus, remember the elders at Ephesus were saying goodbye to Paul before he's martyred and he's like, this church is on fire. Read the book of Ephesians. It's like, it is like, wow. And yet now, 30 years later after Christ, they're just doing the stuff that has no love in it. They're just working it out, but there's no love in it. He says, go back and find your first love. I love Smyrna. That she's a suffering church, and there's no negativities. You've endured. The worldly church, you guys tolerate so much of the world. Look at that. You tolerate the cults, the idolatry, the immorality, how can we have a church embracing homosexuality and abortion? How can there be a church today that reads this book and does that? That is the worldly church that has now made allowances because we want to build a church or we want to be, well, can't you love anybody? Yes, you can. You're supposed to love. But if you love them, you'll tell them the truth. And so this idea that we can wink at the, and change this word, it's, no. It's, you're, you tolerate stuff that, and I've had pastors that I've encountered and I encouraged them and now they've cut me off. They won't talk to me. 
And I bless them. I, I, I said, Lord, I just pray. You know, there's, I'm sure I've got blind spots, but I, Lord, I, I'm concerned when there is a church that's now spreading these gospels of falseness. How about the spiritually dead church, Sardis? There's no real joy. You need to wake up, turn. Philadelphia, man, that's, I, Lord, I love this church. Spiritually alive. Kept my word, have not denied my name. I've placed before you an open door. I will keep, he even promises. This is where the, the folks that use this as the, the church that's gonna get raptured out before the really bad guy shows up. This is the scripture they use in Revelation 3.10. It says, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole earth to try them that are of the world. What is it about this church? Spiritually alive. They know the word. They have not denied me. And I'm opening doors for you. Praise God. And then this one, Laodicea. So what does he tell them to do? Look at how many times. Repent. 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 Wake up. (laughs) Turn from your indifference. I think that's like, get up. Wake up. So... Would you agree with me? Let's just stand and let's agree. I want to invite the ministry team. You know who you are if you're here this morning. You've been trained and released to minister. I desire that there would be so many churches of the Philadelphia, (laughs) the churches that are spiritually alive that he's opened doors for. And I know there's no perfect churches and we, you know, we're not going to get arrogant or prideful and think that you know, we know everything. We don't. But if we stay close to him and we seek him and ask him and go low, continue, right? What does James say? James 4? If you'll humble yourself and you'll draw close to God, he will then draw close to you. And then, then you can resist the devil and he'll flee. So Lord, we as a body of believers, ask that you would release such a grace of revelation that, Lord, you'd give us the wisdom and the revelation on how to meet people where they're at, because we're not, we have to love even those that are lost in, in craziness, and we were there once. We were totally lost, and you opened up the doors and called us in. You drew us in. You, you noticed us. You You made us aware, and then you wooed us to this place. And you brought us in, and now we are betrothed to you. And one day you're coming back, and we want to be seated at that table that you have prepared. He said, I have prepared a table for you. So, Lord, we thank you this morning that we pray for all the churches in the region, this state. Lord, that you're raising up so many revivalists and lovers of God. And thank you, Lord, that you release gifts to us that we can have so much fun in the gifting of seeing Holy Spirit come and touch those that will one day talk about. Just think about the person on the street that, or the one at the beach, says, I remember the day that these crazy people who danced in the sand and came and, Then they witnessed to us. They were really strange. But you know what? Something, I felt the warmth of the Holy Ghost. And from that day forward, I was drawn into a place that I found the Savior of the world. Come on. 
God, I ask that you'd put a hunger in our hearts. As we go out the doors, these are the mission doors. These are the mission field right outside these doors. And there are neighbors, there are people in the, that you're going to meet this week, and there's a boldness that the Lord wants to release. You just pray, show me, God, who to talk to today. So, Lord, I pray for such a move of an evangelistic spirit moving throughout the whole city and region that just like the lady I met at Home Depot loading up my mulch said, I invited her. I said, Leah, did anybody ever tell you about the revival going on in the tent down the road? You're the second person in the last few minutes who's told me about this revival. Just loading up the mulch. Praise God. Come on. She's coming next Friday, she said, with her three kids. So, Lord, I thank you, Father, that there are multitudes upon multitudes in the valley of decision. The harvest is ripe. We need more harvesters, seed planters, waterers, cultivators. So, God, I pray that you'd release such an anointing that even the most humble I love what Hannah said, I'm not afraid anymore. If God calls you, he doesn't give you a spirit of fear. So Lord, I thank you for your blessing that's here. God, we lift up Jesse and Parker and all that you're doing, all the evangelists, all the pastors and leaders in the city, the region. God, I thank you. I thank you for Abner. It was Abner Suarez was last night. Katie and my, my, aunt, my, my sister-in-law drove Katie to to Whiteville last night to be part of Abner. Abner's new betrothed bride, he's getting married in August, and she led worship last night. People were crying. So, Lord, I pray for all that you're doing in our region. You've got your people everywhere. God, I thank you. Release the fire of your anointing that breaks the yokes, and we'll be sure that you get the glory and the praise, Lord, because you deserve it. Thank you for the privilege of just opening a door and letting us walk with you. God, we're so thankful. We're so grateful. God, we've been waiting for years for you to do just these things. And we, we thank you, Lord. I pray for Friday night. Let the fire of God fall. Wednesday night, we had, I think, 120 plus in the teaching. And then the outreach is Thursday. God, I pray, orchestrate the events this week, God. Everywhere your people are, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Hallelujah. Don't forget.